0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Listen in as your host, Jimmy Atkinson, invites industry leaders to share their best OZ insights and investment strategies. From market updates to fund launches, policy news, tax mitigation strategies, and more, we cover it all here on the Opportunity Zones podcast.
1: Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm Jimmy Atkinson. On today's show, we're going to be discussing How we can leverage opportunity zones for urban revitalization. I'm joined today by Sherry Franklin and Dolores Brown. Sherry Franklin is founder and CEO of Urban Design Center, and Dolores is CEO of Community Economic Development Corporation. Uh, Both these women are deserving of some, some better intros than that, so let me tell you a little bit more about them before I bring them in. Sherry's firm, Urban Design Center, helps to manage affordable workforce, and mixed income housing, infrastructure improvement, economic development, and enterprise expansion product. Sherry has decades of community development experience in Los Angeles. She served as vice chair on the City of Los Angeles Board of Zoning Appeals under Mayor Tom Bradley in the early 1990s. She was subsequently appointed by Bradley's successor, Mayor Richard Reardon, to the Department of Transportation Commission, and later to the LA Housing Department Rent Stabilization Commission. She's been a licensed real estate professional since 1989 and a real estate broker since 1997. UDC and Dolores' group, uh, CEDC, have partnered to create the Affordable Housing Recapture Initiative to facilitate the acquisition and green build renovation of residential properties in opportunity zones to accommodate community reinvestment by legacy investors, Provide affordable housing for special needs populations and to catalyze workforce housing ownership. Now, in addition to her role as CEO of CEDC, our other guest today, Dolores, is also chairperson of the New Markets Tax Credit Program for Clearinghouse CDFI and also serves as their Opportunity Zone partner. I'm very pleased to be joined by both of you today. You come fully credentialed with a lot of experience. Sherry's joining us today from Los Angeles, California. Dolores is normally based in Los Angeles, but today joins us from the road in Louisville, North Carolina. Sherry, Dolores, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me today.
2: Thank you. Thank for you, Jimmy.
1: Us. Absolutely. So let's dive in, Sherry. Uh, let's start us off with you, Sherry. Can you tell us about Urban Design Center? Who is Urban Design Center? What does your organization do exactly? And, and who are some of your clients? Okay.
0: Thank you, Jimmy, for having us today. Um, So, Urban Design Center has been activated in communities for over 30 years. Uh, I started in the institutional uh, field back in the late 80s, uh, working to sell and identify projects for Japanese trust funds. And it's a long story how I got here, but um, I committed my life to community economic development in the 90s, working with concerned citizens of South Central Los Angeles. They uh, courted me to come and help them put together uh, their division of housing. They were a and a, a new organization that had fought a waste burn incinerator here in South Los Angeles that made the city lose over five hundred million dollars in, in uh, bond money because they they canceled it over a conditional use permit. And then they wanted to rebuild. They, they said, let's build. They had negative five cents in their account at the time. So I helped them uh, uh, capitalize uh, by um, creating affordable housing through low-income housing tax credit applications, going after money from the state, going after money from the city. And we were able to build um, uh, several hundred units together over uh, in the early 90s. Uh, I also served as a consultant for the Center for Community Change out of D.C., where I went from community to community helping train people how to empower themselves and build their communities, build housing, access dollars, be able to um, make sure that your, your community is being built uh, as you envision it to be built and to become the stakeholder in charge of that community through planning uh, uh, and land use entitlement programs. And then uh, we've worked with other uh, organizations across the cities. We were a consultant for the City of Los Angeles Redevelopment Agency for many years. Uh, we were able to, for instance, get the city $14.7 million to create um, a, a five-mile-long um, infrastructure program for Crenshaw Boulevard, which is now also furthering with a group called Destination Crenshaw to make it an, an outdoor environment where we can build more quality housing and development. Uh, I am a consultant to several projects such as the Stocker Street Creative, which is also in an OZ zone. Uh, it's a new, brand new um, uh, production studio being built in the foothills of Fallen Hills here in South Los Angeles. It's a um, 130,000 square feet uh, acquisition and development project Well, we're new construction and we're building 50,000 square feet of production studios and an office space to create a new economy in our community for the creative industries that are here and uh, the, the, uh, uh, the entrepreneurs that are here so they have a place where they can create. Um, and then uh, as we'll talk about, I'm developing my own projects. I have the Shedrick on Crenshaw right there at Destination Crenshaw, where we're building um, housing, a hotel, as well as commercial space to activate all the visitors who will visit both Destination Crenshaw and the Mert Park Village. Uh, And we're consultants to other clients like Innovative Housing Opportunities, helping them um, uh, structure their um, opportunities to raise money. Uh, for their housing developments. They have built large-scale housing developments. But also Dolores and I are working with other entities like uh, Blind Children's Center, which is a center that has one of the original um uh, buildings built by Paul Williams, and we're going to historically renovate that project to make it a wonderful place for the children uh, who attend the school. And there's so many other projects, I, I won't share them all, but we're, we're across all, uh, many different verticals, housing, economic development, uh, special needs uh, projects, facilities, uh, economic development. One of the projects we did with Concerned Citizens is helped them develop um, and envision the development of a shopping center, which is one of the most successful shopping centers now in South Los Angeles. It's called the um, We need to take Marketplace uh, after the founder of uh, Concerned Citizens. So we, we work to find the money. And that's why we're here today, just to make sure that we're educating people on all the sources they can um, uh, pursue to build their own communities and to have them as legacy ownership within the communities.
1: No, it's tremendous, Sherry. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, yeah, you clearly have a lot going on in terms of economic revitalization, urban revitalization uh, with Opportunity Zone. Specifically, we'll talk more about that Shedrick project a little bit later in the show, but I want to bring Dolores in now. Dolores, you're collaborating with Sherry on a variety of projects. Uh, question to you is how do you think of economic development strategies in urban communities and, and how does your group supplement what, what Sherry's working on?
2: So I, I thank you so much for um, allowing me to participate. I think one of the the um, glaring um, requirements is looking at these projects from, um, I call it a P20 model, and that that's a private-public partnership um, relationships and looking for unlikely partners to participate in um, fulfilling the vision of resiliency of communities. And so in looking at resiliency of um, communities, the opportunity zones, new markets, tax credits, all types of incentives that invite investors into neighborhoods who have a a, a wealth of um, opportunity. When you were talking about economic development, um, when you're talking about the ability to redesign and reimagine communities in reference to housing and housing development. Um, and they are um, communities that have stakeholders who are committed to longevity. Um, you know, you look at that, most of these communities have third, fourth, and fifth generations of um families that have lived there, that have committed um, to that particular environment and want to be part of the growth and the reimagining of the communities that are happening around them. So that is one of the... um the reasons and the rationales for the collaborations and the partnerships and you know the deeper dive of the work that Sheree and I have done you know for probably the last 38 years. Um, I made the foray into this area because I was a banker for many many years. I'm very concerned about redlining and um, having the opportunity for Um, communities to look at the ability to thrive. And so um, I made the leap. Um, I I always laugh and say that I I think about that, you know, in the financial world, you know, I had to figure out what did that look like before I continued to think about giving away the store. That's not what the financial industry is about. So I moved over to, you know, the social impact side of, you know, bridging the relationships and really focused in on one of the greatest challenges was that there was very little access to capital um, for communities. And so I, you know, really brought my expertise to the table to bridge the gap between showing um, in, um, community organizations and community residents how to get their financials in order to be the bridge builder in order for lending to take place um, in communities.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Well, we'll dive into a lot of those talking points throughout our discussion today. But uh, Sherry, back to you. How does the Opportunity Zone tax policy pair with UDC's mission? How has it affected what you're doing in, in positive ways?
0: Um, so, you know, whenever there is a new idea for how do we create reinvestment in our communities, I think Dolores and I have been on the forefront of every single one of those uh, concepts over the past 30 years, whether it was low-income housing tax credits, new markets tax credits, uh, EB-5. Uh, and uh, you know, um, creating uh, empowerment zones. We actually wrote the application for the city of Los Angeles for their empowerment zone back in the 90s after the civil disturbance. And that was all about how do you figure out to, to bring capital to our communities, educate the investors that this is a great place to put your dollars, and to do it with the people who are here who are educated and understand real estate and understand development. So the OZ um, uh, opportunities are just another layer of our efforts uh, to do that. Um, we are wanting to make sure that something that seems very complex, you know, is uh, made uh, um, understandable to people who actually have the dollars for reinvestment. And this, the OZ is a little bit different than many of the other um, uh, source funds that we've uh, worked with because in new markets tax credits and low-income housing tax credits are only for institutionals. Uh, those are the people who can invest, but the OZ is different. And we live here in Los Angeles and in many of the communities in some of the wealthiest African-American communities uh, in the country. Uh, and there are people who have assets that, are, that they, re- they sell. And what do they do with it? Well, if you own a four-unit four building and you want to sell that building, you can either put it in 1031 or you can put it into uh, one of those Delaware Trust type of entities, uh, but what if there's nothing available? Many people lose their opportunity to um, save on their tax uh, benefit because there's nothing else to reinvest in, uh, or they have to leave the community. And what we want to do is um, align our expertise to create projects that we've done and, and uh, be able to pool those, those uh, resources from legacy investors in our community, so they can reinvest and be proud of what they own, can walk to what they own, and it totally aligns with what we're doing because that's what our mission is: is to revitalize communities, to create legacy ownership, and to make sure that people are proud of where they live. Those are our basic missions.
1: Well, those are, and that's a great mission to adhere to. Dolores, anything to add there? I, I noted a moment ago that that you mentioned that y- you know you're working in communities where you've had trouble accessing capital. How has this Opportunity Zone initiative helped unlock some additional private capital to flow into these underserved communities? Have you seen, I know it's still early, but have you seen any uh, success with Opportunity Zones in that regard?
2: Absolutely, because it, it allowed each jurisdiction to really rethink um what it looked at as as underserved communities. And as you look at the opportunity zone maps, um most of the um, outlining areas are in thriving areas, but they are areas that have not necessarily been exposed, um, to the investor environment. And so being able to, um, create the, um, the opportunity to share the richness of a community and not necessarily, I think that most, um, scenarios that were originally developed around the opportunity zone um, coined it from looking from um, depressed um, um, communities, and that's not necessary. Not necessarily so. So really, being able to help that investor. Um, really look at the richness of the communities and also look at that forward. You know, we know that everything is based upon rate of return on investment. And so with that said, there are thriving communities that have already got a great rate of return. They were just undiscovered communities. And so we make sure that we create the lens on that community, but we also make sure that our community benefits you know that's that P three relationship, right? That our community benefits from being bringing in the capital that is so um, necessarily needed for those particular communities.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, Dolores, back back to you again here now. Uh, Opportunity zones. Uh, my listeners, my viewers of this podcast, uh, clearly are familiar with uh, how I how much I love the program and how I think it's a great program, and I, I talk about it constantly over the last four years. It really is a terrific tax incentive for investors. And it's also a terrific tool for community development. But that said, uh, it's still relatively new. There's some hurdles. What are some challenges that you have seen, uh, particularly in terms of getting investors educated or or maybe any other challenges that you've run into here uh, over the last few years, Dolores?
2: Uh, Again, the challenge is removing the myth of what is classified as an underserved community. Right, Uh, and really bringing that educational um, component. Um, You know, as Cherie shared that you know when we look at the um, OZ outlining areas for Los Angeles, you would think that this would be classified as underserved communities. Um, A a great example would be you know one of the projects that we'll talk about later, but our project that is um, listed um, in the city of Long Beach. This project is in the middle of resiliency in downtown Long Beach, but it's classified as an opportunity zone. So it's really being able to bring and and um, add the educational component um, for everybody to have, you know, I, I think when new um, opportunities avail, um, we lose time because there's no um, um, breaking down kind of the the language barrier to really look at how does it apply to actually bringing a transaction to fruition. So I think that that is one of the key barriers is breaking it down in layman's terms so that people, the investor can find the transaction and then the community can understand what would be, you know, the cost benefit analysis for it to participate in the transaction.
1: And do you get pushback from the communities sometimes for certain projects or or are they welcoming or what What are some of the stories that you've heard from the communities? Oh, my so
2: goodness. So one of the, the clear things that and I think that's our secret sauce that allows us to be able to go in because we understand that you do have to go in and to do that community engagement in any aspect of being able to do this do any of your projects. You have to let the community participate in the ownership, even if they're not participating in the ownership, because This is going to be a project that they're going to live and breathe and see and pass daily, and you want them to be kind of the word of the mouth on the street level that says, oh my goodness, that's an amazing project, because they can share that they were part of the ability to even kind of look at the initial design review process, right, of being able to talk about how does this impact traffic of me being able to get out of my driveway? You know, what is the real impact of this new building that's going on? So that community engagement piece is crucial in order to really make a project have um, the ability to not have what we call NIMBYism, you know, within our particular communities.
1: Good. Well, I want to turn back to Cherie now. Uh, we talked about the community aspect of the Opportunity Zone initiative. What about the investors themselves? I'm curious, who who are the typical investors that you're working with and what are some of the challenges that you have to work through with them and some of the points you have to bring up with them when you are talking about making an investment into opportunity zone deals?
0: Um, Yes. So as Dolores was mentioning, our communities are very complex and that's why we have to help make sure people understand it. So to describe what Dolores was talking about, um, we have opportunity zones on Crenshaw Boulevard where we have a project, the Shedrick, Uh, and it's a narrow strip. Uh, But on either side of that strip, we have the wealthiest African-American communities in the country. And that's why lenders can't see the opportunity. They'll see um, what the OZ zones uh, say about them as depressed, but then that's a strip. But who are the people who are gonna visit that strip? The people surrounding that property. And that's the type of dynamic that we are helping investors understand. And also the investors from our communities are many people who have uh, units, one, 10, 20 unit buildings. They sell those buildings. Uh, They live right around the corner from us. What do they do with that capital once they sold it instead of just losing it because they don't have a place uh, to reinvest it at the moment uh, and, and not be able to benefit from paying, not paying capital gains. Uh, So what we're doing is educating those um, legacy investors. That's what we call them. People from the communities on what is an OZ zone? How do you reinvest? You're going to be part of a larger partnership. What does that mean? Um, When do you get your money out? How does this thing work? Why does it benefit you um, and giving building trust within the development? This is what we've done before. This is how long it's going to take. This is the kind of return you can expect. Uh, there's no one um, essentially on the ground talking to that legacy investor. All of the OZ zones are talking to institutionals, um, talking to people who are almost always um. um Uh, considered accredited investors, um, but there may be some people who are not. So there are structures because of the Obama Jobs Act for instance, you can do a, a, fi, a REG, reg um, 506B and be able to have some unaccredited investors. Even though they have this property, they may not be listed as an accredited investor. Once, once they sell, maybe they will be. Um, but um, we are working to educate uh, those investors to make sure that they don't lose their wonderful opportunity and then they can retain uh, that uh, tax base like others have an opportunity to do. And we, we are creating projects to do that.
1: Fantastic. Well, I wanted to transition now and actually talk about two concrete examples, two Opportunity Zone projects that the two of you are collaborating on. And I know you have many others in the works and maybe we'll maybe we'll touch on a couple of those as well. But but the Shedrick in South Los Angeles on Crenshaw Boulevard, as you mentioned. And then we'll also talk about a Long Beach project that the two of you are collaborating on. But let's do the Shedrick first. And I'm going to just going to turn my attention to my other monitor here, because I have this screen share that I'm going to, I'm going to share with everybody if I can pull it up. And this is the, the Shedrick we're doing here first, I believe. And so by the way, if you're, if you're, uh, listening to us on a podcast listening service, if you're on iTunes or Apple podcasts or, or listening to the audio only version on Spotify, um, we do have a video version of this podcast as I've been, uh, Uh, talking about for the past few weeks, you head over to YouTube and find us there and you'll be able to actually see and follow along with what we're showing you. This is gonna be more visual for the next few minutes, but um, I I don't know which one of you two wanted to walk us through the Shedrick, but I've got up on the screen now, so feel free and and let me know when you need me to page over to the next few pages here.
0: Okay, thank you, Jimmy. So we're very excited about this project. Um, It's named the Shedrick in honor of a legacy family here in South Los Angeles. They're selling uh, their parcels of land to us, and we're building on this site um, in the, on Crenshaw Boulevard in 49th, right in the Destination Crenshaw um, uh, area, the zone where they're building a one of the largest African-American art outdoor art museums in the country, or probably the largest. It'll have commercial on the bottom, very um active retail on the bottom, cafe. Uh, It'll have a production house cafe where people can come and be creative in partnership with the Stocker Street Creative uh, Project I shared with you, the over $100 million um, production studio that we're Dolores and I are um, consultants for here, right around the corner from the Shedrick. And that will be a place where people can create all kinds of wonderful movies for Netflix or or any other streaming service. Uh, It will also have commercial kitchens on the bottom floor so that we can um, feed into um, the uh, potential hotel on the the, the top floors as well as create a delivery service. There's a great need here in South Los Angeles for uh, direct to consumer delivery of of food, prepared food. So we have two floors of residential housing, which will be 40% affordable for uh, transition age youth. We're partnering with Sanctuary of Hope. Uh, They work with uh, emancipated youth And uh, they will live in this housing development, work in all of the uh, social enterprise businesses on the bottom floor. We'll have a um, sidewalk cafe, kind of Miami style. One of the other things that Dolores and I did was work with the city of Los Angeles to garner $14.7 million uh, from the state of California to build out the sidewalks because um, uh, the train now is complete along the corridor. Uh, So the K line is now open and So that um, widening of the sidewalks um, and planting trees allowed us to activate a beautiful cafe uh, on the um, street there. And then we will have the second two floors. We're building it out as either homeownership units or hotel. So we're still doing the feasibility analysis of that to determine, but the units are designed so that they can be either or, but we're still working to see if we can attract and have a hotel. But if not, it'll be a cooperative home ownership for people to um, buy into. We have lots of people who have large-scale homes here in South Los Angeles and they need a beautiful place to go and there's no place for them to go. So we wanted to create that opportunity. If you scale to the next page um, you'll see that it is uh, that the bottom floor is open. We're actually that pink space is going to be created as a space for events. We can actually have a rolling drink there. The back garden area will be green space for uh, having uh, growing vegetables and foods. And we'll be able to do dinner parties there and so forth and also have uh, the open cafe out to the street. Um, the second level will have a, a multi-purpose room, which will also um, double as a screening room because our um Street Creative Project going to need a lot of um, creative space that becomes part of the economy that we're growing here with the studio. So we're very excited to be able to have really great and you know, maybe virtual reality kind of experiences in that space. If you scroll to the next slide, um, uh, it just shows that we're going to have residential and then we'll also then uh, have the homeownership or the hotel. And then the last slide shows you... Um, Uh, That on that uh, fifth floor, we're going to have open space, which working really hard to design a pool on the fifth floor. And then there's the uh, rooftop deck, uh, which is fabulous because it will have panoramic views of downtown Los Angeles all the way to Hollywood. And we'll be able to activate really cool soirees and parties on that rooftop deck and have food service from the commercial kitchens at the bottom. We are working with uh, CDC, with Dolores, because she's creating the Affordable Housing Recapture Initiative, uh, which is a OZ fund. And that fund is going to be able to invest into this project uh, to uh, manage those affordable housing that we talked about uh, uh, for the transition age youth and for families. It's gonna be for people who are at or below 80% of area median income. And so we're very excited about this project and um, we'll, we'll continue to share more details about it. This is just a yield study to let us know the maximum capacity of what we can build on the site. So now we're working with the community. As Dolores mentioned, we don't do anything without talking to the community. The Neighborhood Council, uh, other um, uh, organizations that say. so we can ask them, what do you envision? What would you like to see? Our deco is very um, much a design, um, um, dominant design here in South Los Angeles. So we're looking at something along the lines of a streamlined Art deco design.
1: Very good, very good. Well, that was great. That was the Shedrick. Um, is that all you had on that? Should we move over to the, the Long Beach project yeah, now? I
0: mean, there's more, but I don't want to... <laughs> yes, it's... Um, yes.
1: Okay, so let me pull up the Long Beach design now, and then uh, I think I, it's just that one rendering, and you can kind of walk us through that
0: one here. I, Jimmy, I should mention that our architect for the Shedrick is FSY, mm-hmm. and FSY is a wonderful uh, company. They I work with them on their project uh, for the Vision Theater, which is in Leimert Park. They did the design there and they do a lot of housing in our community for what we call transit-oriented communities. And the Shedrick is a TLC project where you get greater density and bonuses for building next to a rail line. And that's one of the public policies that we've advocated for here in Los Angeles.
1: Oh, that's terrific. Um, That's terrific. I love uh, transit-oriented design, transit-oriented communities. So uh let's let's move along now to the the Long Beach project what this is on um what, what was the corner it was on it was on pine so and So this forget. is
2: between 7th and 8th and Pine and Pacific in the middle of downtown Long Beach we are so excited about um this project this project um is almost a um what we call the village um that is connected to the legacy of the pre-existing building um um, which is um, 17 stories, which is a senior housing project that was done by a legacy family um, that had envisioned um, futuristically, if they were ever making a decision to sell to anyone, someone had to have the vision to incorporate two new towers that kind of fit the vision of community development next to it. And so this, this um, site was not for sale. Um, This was a project that um, we created a a collaborative um, relationship with. Um, It took us about um, a year um, before, I was able to be taken to the top of the the 17th floor and given the view, and um, actually saying that they were the family was comfortable that we could be the actual recipients of um, being able to acquire the site. So very very excited about this. This is going to be a, a mixed use um, project um, that will focus its transit oriented um, development. It is focused along the um, transit oriented line from Long Beach that leads from Long Beach to downtown Los Angeles. Um, The project, um is because it is in an opportunity zone, we looked again as we started doing our community's needs assessment for this project, looked at what were the gaps. So it is going to be uh, 106 units of it will be um, economic development, workforce housing, specifically with an aligned partnership with Cal State Long Beach to look at the opportunities of being able to create housing opportunities for um, the employees and professors of Cal State Long Beach. Um, that project will focus on um, the um, affordability index between um, 80 and 120 percent of median income. And then the our second tower, which is um, our nine stories will be 86 units of market rate housing. And that is the component that we'll be utilizing for our, our opportunity zone. Um, perspective. The project um, total um, cost for development is $158 million. Um, We are in the entitlement process um, of the project um, as we speak. And again, in the process now, as we have created our renderings and um, our preliminary um, footprint and schematics, we are now engaging the neighborhood. Because this is in the middle of downtown Long Beach, the emphasis would be for the business improvement district in that that, um, Long Beach wants to focus in on live, work, play, space uh, along transit-oriented development. So we want to make sure that as we um, move forward in the design process that we are um, complementary to our neighbors and also make sure that because we are sitting in the middle of downtown Long Beach that we incorporate a tax base at the end and incentive uh, for the city as we move forward so we're very very excited about this project we are looking that we will have the ability on the, for, on the um, affordable housing side of the ledger. Our goal is to be able to turn dirt um, in October of 2023. So we're moving along very aggressively um, and we are um, in the process of looking to um, continue to secure our Opportunity Zone investor um, on the 86 units.
1: Fantastic. Well, terrific. That was uh, the Long Beach project, and we and we heard from uh, about the the uh, Shedrick in the Crenshaw corridor of South LA just a moment ago as well. So both of those projects are doing a couple of things. Um, one, they're adding more housing to these communities where housing is desperately needed. We're in a huge housing shortage all across our nation, and particularly in 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 these markets. Um, two, it's it's incorporating some affordable. Housing, below market rate housing, workforce housing, some combination of those. Uh, and three, it's bringing in the community and the community's involvement, which I think is tremendous. Uh, it's uh, the epitome of a well done Opportunity Zone project, as far as I can tell uh, right off the bat here. Um, so let's, I, I, I think it's great both those projects and congrats to both of you on, on pursuing both of them and getting the community involved as well. Now, Dolores, I think you also have some other projects that you wanted to touch on briefly, some Opportunity Zone projects that you're working on in Florida and in Fresno, California. What can you tell us about those briefly?
2: Yes, so um, in Florida, we are working um, in Fort Pierce, um, focusing on, again, our... I think our traditional model is I'm um, bringing unlikely partners to the table to think outside the box, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, with that said, um, we have incorporated the, um, bringing together the faith-based community, the college district, and also performing arts to think, rethink um, land that is available. Um, that is owned by um, the faith-based community. And so we're going to be developing um, 54 units of housing, um, a wellness center that will incorporate um, the um, local um, community college, um, and also um, focusing in on being able, because it is in the middle of Florida, Thinking about an adaptable reuse of one of the, um, the wellness center as a shelter in place. So we're actually partnering with FEMA um, to actually think outside the box of that of that project. Um, it will have all kinds of economic development drivers within that project. And so we are um, in the the um actual um design phase of that project as well. Um, in Fresno, oh my goodness, so excited about this project. This project is on a 121-acre um, um, aspect of a master plan community where again, thinking about our part private public partnership relationships, it um has um, going to have 126 units of single-family homes. 297 units of multifamily, um, a partnership with the city to create a a park within it, um, a partnership with the local college, which that local college is um, 90% complete of of creating a community college, and also um, in the position of bringing um, an elementary school in the middle of Fresno, uh, uh, and it's also located along transit-oriented development um, that um, really looks at the repurposing of what would have been classified as agricultural land to now being in a position to actually um, develop this um, thriving community that will also have a regional shopping center and um, um, a community shopping center attached to it. So very excited, and that is in the middle of an opportunity zone um, project.
1: Tremendous! So a lot, a lot you've got working on, uh, Sherry. Back to you now. I, I understand you may have some other OZ projects in your pipeline as well, particularly some multifamily in Detroit. Did you want to touch on that briefly for us, and, and tell us what you're working on there and why why you like Detroit?
0: Yes, uh, well mentioned uh, Detroit and then also um, uh, the affordable housing recapture initiative that Dolores and I have put together. Um, uh, we're putting together that fund because uh, many of our zones here in Los Angeles are in residential communities. Uh, we have to have a conversation with our politicals about that, but they are covering a large scale of residential And we also have a housing shortage as you probably hear in the news. So we are um, working to acquire properties that have an ability to build added units, ADUs or one to four more units in the back of the homes, renovate those homes and make them uh, um, sustainable and uh, available for these legacy investors to reinvest in. They wouldn't normally do it because many of much of our housing stock is old. Uh, it could be as much as a, a, a hundred years old, and because it's older housing stock. Um, uh, it's hard to renovate it. Some of them are in historic overlay zones. And so they're, they're, they're going, um, you know, underutilized because of that. Where well, we can bring our development expertise and our understanding of historic properties, our understanding of renovation and rehab and, and, and merging other supportive resources to the table, bringing other resources to the table to be able to um, save these properties, prevent them from being um, demolished and created as larger scale residential and, and, and maintaining the fabric of these workforce communities. So that's one of the exciting things that we're doing. We've identified um, a two pi- pilot projects that we're going to pursue, and we will be glad to share those with everybody. Detroit is very interesting. Um, I'm in Detroit with my partner, Mac Major. Uh, he has house tour. And uh, I met Mac, and he's like, Cherie, De- Detroit is, needs help. Um, and then just to give a, a sample, and I don't know if uh, uh, people may be familiar, but I was not. Detroit was, was the wealthiest city uh, in America at some point. But now it has lost more than half of its population for many reasons. Uh, and not only that, if you just imagine the city, 90,000 parcels of the land in the city of Detroit are owned by the city of Detroit. So they've taken those properties, they've demolished properties, they've demolished schools. And so you'll have blocks with just one house on it, blocks with two houses that are dilapidated. And Mac and I um, uh, have uh, two part properties in um, Detroit that we're working to, re- to renovate. And we want to work with the city of Detroit and we uh, to acquire land and then rebuild. And what we discovered when we went door to door to talk to the residents, because we always start with community, um, about um, what do they want to see happen. They all said the same thing. We want to build. We're not leaving. But you're the only person on the spot. You know, I don't care. I'm going to stay here. I need help. I need tools. I need resources. You know, I want my son or daughter to come back and live um, with me and my community. But there's no place for them to live because everything's been torn down. And that was one of the most touching experiences I've ever had, to be uh, hugged by someone you don't know. They just walk out of their house and they say thank you. Uh, And it's a lack of information that's available. The city is getting back on its feet. Um, it's um, um, lenders have just completely left the community. But if we bring that knowledge, we bring the level of design concept, uh, maybe modular housing uh, for these vacant lots. We bring the level of expertise to the table and then also work with um, uh, entities like um, Dolores and the Community Economic Development Initiative to create funds uh, for opportunity zones. Then we can revitalize entire neighborhoods. There's no place else like it in the city. And also do it in a way that we can create legacy ownership. There are many expats um, from Detroit here in Los Angeles. They left the community many years ago. They love to go back, but they don't know how and what to do. They're all ready to be a part of um, uh, an OZ zone investment strategy or a rebuild strategy. And we're very excited about it.
1: No, oh, that's fantastic. Well, I, I wanted to get some final thoughts from each of you before we wind down this episode today. You know, one thing that you just said in your last response, Cherie, was that uh, anecdote of that woman in Detroit who came to you and she said she needed more help, she had more tools, she needed more resources. Opportunity Zones can be that tool. They can be that resource to revitalize communities. But there have also been a lot of critics of the program criticizing Opportunity Zones as merely a tax break for the rich gentrifying communities, driving out uh, current residents in the communities. I, turn to both of you right now. Um, I suppose Shari, we can start with you first and then Dolores, you can go second. What, what do you say in response to those critics? How is the Opportunity Zone program doing the good that it was promised to America to do? And what have you seen uh, in, in, your, in your experience with Opportunity Zones that that can be a response to those critics?
0: I think that's what Dolores and I are doing. We're turning the table on that criticism by creating um, opportunities for local. Um, community investors Uh, and that's all that the community is asking for. Um, uh, You know, it's amazing how much we're um, overlooked in terms of the capacity uh, to be able to build or to invest. We don't get any marketing material. There's nobody from any of the bigger funds, you know, calling. uh, Any of our friends that are accredited investors do have properties. They sell them all the time. I get a call from people every single month, Sri, I'm selling this. What do I do with the money? If I'm not at the ready, I can't help them, you know, and they don't want to put it in a fund that they don't know about. So we're turning the tables on that. We're saying we want to work with local developers to create the OZ opportunities, keep money invested from people in the communities and make sure that they are held and owned by people who um, look like them. Who want to be around them, and who can employ people from the communities, keep the jobs in the communities. We want to create a fund for business investment. There are lots of opportunities for business investment in our own developments, even so, and particularly the the um, production studio that we're creating. We're going to create a fund to invest in those production studios themselves, uh, so that we can keep those dollars. People buy homes in the community, shop, they they um, visit, you know, other families. They walk in the community. That's what people want. They want a solution to being able to get to the opportunity and for it to be able to benefit them. And that's what we're all about. And that's what we plan to do. As long as this uh, opportunity a concept is available here, um, you know, from the federal government, we're going to be here educating people and making sure that the, the table has turned.
1: Tremendous. And, and Dolores, how about you? What, what, what do you say in response to any criticisms of the Opportunities and Initiative? How are you driving impactful, social, community-oriented impact
2: well, I think that the, our major emphasis is demystifying what this looks like and having the ability when we're looking at bringing unlikely people to the table of being able to create inclusionary environment around a conversation. It's being able to bridge the um, the the mystification of what an investor looks like. When we began our process, when we looked at our Long Beach project, we actually do bus tours where we engage and we bring people to the table. You want to invest in this community? Come touch, feel, see it. Let the community see you. Let's begin a dialogue so that we know that we're in this together, that the end result is that we want to have true impact and resiliency of the community. And so if I can look you in your eye and see that you are coming to the table from the place of truth and help, I am committed to being a part of that process. So it's, again, aligning relationships, aligning the ability to say that I am a part of the process because my thought process matters. And then we have the ability, I'm going to champion you. I'm going to be your advocate. I'm going to be your salesperson. I'm going to actually be your defender for you if I know who you are. But I don't, you know, most communities don't like to know that there is this mysterious ex-person that has walked into the community because then you allow for people to make assumptions of, you know, stereotypic, thought process of what they think that investor is.
1: Terrific. Well, Sherry and Dolores, it's been a pleasure speaking with you both today. Very insightful talking to both of you. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, Before we go, uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about uh, you and your organizations? And and Sherry, you can go first. Where where can our listeners go to learn more about you and Urban Design Center?
0: Well, we're easy to find. We're at urbandesigncenter.com. Uh, You go there, you'll see um, our projects, our information. Uh, We have other uh, alignments that we create in our community like our Opportunity Center where we make sure that local people have access to jobs, so you'll see that as well. But uh, all of our projects and information are at urbandesigncenter.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn, my uh, Sheree Franklin, and also at Urban Design Center on LinkedIn and Facebook. We're there as well. And then myself, Sheree Franklin, on Twitter. So we try to stay posted in social media, uh, but um, we are available and all of our contact information is there as well. Perfect. And Dolores, where can our viewers go to learn more about you and your group?
2: Thank you. You can go to cedc.usa.com. And you can also look for Dolores Brown on LinkedIn.
1: Perfect. And for our listeners and viewers out there today, I will, of course, have show notes available for today's episode at opportunitydb.com slash podcast, and there we'll have links to all of the resources that Cherie, Dolores, and I discussed on today's episode, and please be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast listening platform to always get the latest episodes from Opportunity DB. Cherie, Dolores, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for your time.
2: You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having
0: us. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. You can access our show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com forward slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.